0: Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason Smith, and today with me is Alex Scherer.
1: Hello, everybody. This is Alex.
0: Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Studies show our attention spans are shrinking. Dr. Gloria Mark explains in an interview with CNN that in 2004, the average attention on a screen Used to be two and a half minutes. And now we find people who can only pay attention to one screen for an average of 47 seconds. That's if you're interested. Gen Z will only give a video 1.3 seconds before judging if they will continue to watch at all. What can we do to address these changes? Oh, can we
1: get our attention spans back? If you couldn't tell, dear, our dear listeners, Jason was trying really hard to make a joke out of this. There are strategic advantages
0: that we're going to talk about later for companies when they're looking at a changing demographic and how younger generations have these shorter attention spans. I was actually looking at some statistics mm. that are outside of our prepared research for this show, and it said that there has been a decrease since from 2019 to 2022 uh-huh. in the United States and the use of traditional media being 24-hour TV news and newspapers from about 50% of all Americans to about only 60 16% of all Americans. Mm. So I think that has to do with the long style format of these media. Mm. A newspaper, it takes a lot of attention span. It's like a, a quarter of a book to read a whole newspaper, you know?
1: Mm. I mean, that the change in the amount of time, it's a little too drastic for me. I mean, it makes sense to me.
0: I was looking at a meme earlier today, which shows my attention span. It was a bunch of kids playing in the street and like they were all muddy and dirty and they were had a basketball. It was like a slightly orangish colored picture so you could see that it was a few decades old. Yeah, and it said, aren't you glad you grew up before computers took off? And I think yeah, because I, I witnessed personally the changes in generations because I was from a generation where we didn't have computers until we were like 12. I know. And then I watched the next generation and I could see that their attention spans were already shrinking. and the next one, and now we're down to the point
1: where... Like, I remember, well, because if you have listened to our show for long enough because I work in tech. What we used to say is, oh, well, you need to get people's attention. If it's a minute long video, they need to be on board within the first 15 seconds. Now it's like some of the videos are not even 15 seconds. The video itself is like three seconds. And you're like, I'm going to replay this three second video over and over again. And, you know, the 1.5 second attention span sounds a little scary. But what you consider is half of the video like this is like, is it scary? Maybe not. talking to an up-and-coming vlogger who wants to be
0: successful, and I was trying to give this younger man, he's about your age, yeah. some advice about how to be successful, and he wouldn't take the advice, which was not really relevant to my story, but I just wanted to point that out. He was making 25- to 30-minute videos about... Things that he found interesting in Beijing and elsewhere. And he couldn't understand why after almost a decade of making videos that he only had a couple, a few thousand followers. He asked me for some tips and I said, well, you know, for YouTube, five minutes, for TikTok, one or two minutes. He refused to compromise his art. You know, you want to post these long form, have one channel for that where you have, you know, your arts intact and then make a different version of it on a different channel on the same platform that is only one or two minutes. And then you're going to see the difference in flow rate. And he refused. But the point was that people don't always aren't able to adapt to the ch- rapid change that you mentioned. Like it's changing so fast. People with different lengths of attention spans can't even understand how people like a lot of people get their information from Douyin and TikTok. That's the news now for young people when they want to find out what's happening in the world, they go on TikTok and they get the news and they get it really short bursts of what they want to know about. They don't want to hear what this reporter has jarved up for an hour. This is what I want to hear about. Now this is what I want to hear about. Now I want to watch Cats. Now I'll
1: hear it about it again. You know, like it's it's a different world. Yeah, this might not be the best analogy, but, you know, hearing what you said, it's kind of like, okay, I'm someone who's only into old school paper books. But you could have that preference as a consumer But if you want to be a creator Uh and you want to be an author and you write a book in today's day and age and you say, because I like traditional books, I believe in my book has content and tangibility, I refuse to have my book published on any digital media. That's just... If you choose to do that, then the almost, you know, unavoidable outcome is that you're not going to have as many readers or or people who could see your work as you would like
0: everybody else more like. You know, that actually kind of makes me think of people, everyone I've ever met in California, they all have the same dream of opening a cafe. Maybe it's a cafe bookstore. I'm sorry. You can't have whatever the population of California, you know, that many tens of millions of people all owning their own cafe. No one will go to them because some people have to want to open a burger joint and some people want to have to open a movie theater. And you have to have different dreams for them all to work out. Not everyone can be a cafe owner. Yeah, Maybe there's a place for a vinyl store in a giant city of millions of people. Yeah. But like you say, you know, if you're publishing in only paper media. Yeah. I'm sorry you're probably not going to be very successful. But you could always find an example, though, where that does work. But that's like niche. Not everyone can be niche.
1: Yeah, this is a little off topic, but I just wanted to say some. A lot of the times when we have conversations with people and you say, oh, well, but you have to do this because this is the trend, this is the regularity, this is the rules or whatever. And then they always pick out that one exception. They always, well, but Bill Gates didn't finish college and did Steve Jobs didn't have to do the whole like work-life balance thing or someone didn't work so hard, got to where is today." I'm like, yeah, each industry has like two people like that, and there's billions of people apart from them that are in that industry. Are you going to look at those people? Or are you going to look at statistical evidence or are you just going to look at exceptions? I'm just like, mm.
0: Right, exactly. We're getting off topic, just like you said. Let's stay focused.
1: This is a perfect example of attention
2: span deficiency. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge.
0: I wanted to ask, how can teachers mold social media use? Uh, What is the role of teachers? Because Mm. a lot of people will say it's a... When you point out something that's wrong with uh, England or what's wrong with America, Mm. a lot of people will automatically blame the education system. Mm. Maybe they're right. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just... I think we... Let's have a little discussion here. Sure. Is it okay to take phones away from kids when they come into school? Question one. What do you think, Alex? I think it's... (laughs) You think it's okay? I'm
1: scared to say it because I know people are nowadays are saying it's the kids right and the parents need to be able to know where the kids are. Yes, I understand the sentiment and I understand where all of that comes from. But the fact is kids weren't using cell phones for centuries when they were going to school. The parents are different. And of course, it's a different world, different society. But let's just say if you really just need to know where your kid is, at least nowadays, I know that I know for a fact and I've seen kids in my compound uh, wear it. They have these watches. It's not a phone. You can't really do a lot of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, some of them are watches. I I know a child. I'm not going to say his name.
0: We'll call him D. He got a watch that is a video camera. It has an app in it so mom can listen in on his surroundings locate him and it's a phone, but it only calls mom. And it doesn't matter how far he is away from mom. He could be like on the other side of the planet. Exactly. Mom will be able to call him.
1: See, that's the real thing that's serving the purpose of knowing where my kid is, whether they're safe, right? Or if you want to give your kid a phone, give them a simpler phone. But I think for them to go to school, especially younger kids now, we forget how fast kids kind of just become very mature. With the smartphones in class, it's going to be really hard for them to quench that thirst to look at it during class. So if I was a teacher, I would probably, the least I would do is to say no one is allowed to use their cell phone in class. And if I were a little bit more extreme, I would just ask them to hand in their phones to me in class. You can claim it. You can bring it back, you know, during class breaks. You can have that for 10 minutes. But once we go into class, absolutely phones off and no phone usage at all in Alex's classroom.
0: Yeah, you know I worked at a lot of schools, and that is the major policy. And most parents are understanding that I've dealt with. Oh, that's good. We have a place the backpacks hang up on the wall, phone or the watch, both either in so in the backpack. That way, mom can listen in if she wants to. We, you know, we're not trying to hide something from mom. And if there's an emergency, they can run straight to their backpack to carry it with them and have their phone or, or a digital watch. But it can't be with them at their desk so that they can't be distracted by it during the learning process.
1: I feel like parents who are against this idea need to be reminded of how cheeky we were when we were kids in school. And back when technology wasn't so advanced at all, I remember how I was trying to hide my headphones, not the wireless ones we have nowadays, is the wired headphones. I was trying to hide it. I don't know if you did this, Jason. I don't know if this is like universal in uh, for every country. But in China, we had this very popular trend because we wear sort of baggy school uniform so we would put our mp3 players in our Uh Pants pockets. We didn't have MP3 players. And then, oh, well, this... <laughs> we had walkie-talkies with tapes. I did that... Oh, <laughs> wait. I did uh, What was that thing called? Walkman as well. And yeah, then yeah. the tape players, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you would run the wired headphones all the way up your jacket. Oh, my gosh. Throughout your sleeve and you hold one headphone and you hold it close to your ear so you can listen to music in class. Don't pretend that you didn't do things like this when you were a kid in school. And that was nothing but a headphone. Imagine what a kid would do to just look at his phone in class and imagine if the teacher didn't have enough energy to check every kid at any given second during that class. Your kid is not really going to enjoy his class or learn anything in school.
0: Question number two, using computers that are alive with the Internet in class is a learning tool. Yes or no? Why?
1: (laughs) This, I would say, yes, for college students, not for younger students. High school students, maybe, they're self-disciplined enough. Younger kids, I'm not sure.
2: You're listening to The Bridge.
0: You know, there's there are a bunch of very powerful and influential elite schools in the United States. Now, here's really interesting. People don't see. And I think Chinese people are trying to sometimes emulate American education systems because they're still finding their way into modernity. And that's so that's a reality. Mm. And, but in the United States, you have two sets of elite schools, the actually elite schools that are really elite schools where you are not allowed to use a computer in school. Uh-huh. And I mean, not in the class, you want to go to the library, go to the research center. You want to go to the computer lab. Yeah, there are computers. There are not computers in class. You have books, you're reading like Moby Dick and stuff or Shakespeare or whatever it is, ancient Greek literature in Greek. Now, you go to these schools where they're pretending to be an elite school. They'll show you, oh, how we use computers in every class. Now, the the reality is the actually super elite schools that are prep schools for Harvard, for Princeton, for Yale, for Stanford, you can't have computers in class. Mm. But a lot of like rich nouveau kind of people, they go to schools, they see computers in the classroom and they assume that this is an advanced classroom. Hmm. It's not useful. What they need to hear is a really boring lecture about, <laughs> like, you know, the Civil War and then go research it and do a paper on it or whatever. It doesn't work the other way around. Yeah. So I find it frustrating when I go into a school and I find a bunch of computers yeah. inside the classroom. There are places for computers in the class, like sometimes foreign language classes, they have the to listen and repeat and do stuff like that. Yes, very much. But, like, if you're, like, in a class. Here's the thing. It's the teacher. If you have a boring teacher, you're going to be bored. And if you have a an interesting teacher, you're going to be interested. Mm. I used to teach this lesson. I used to be the principal. I used to teach people like how to be teachers. And they would say, oh, the kids really just don't listen to me. And I'll s- I'm sorry to say, I would say to them, Mm. I'm sorry to say, but was your lesson interesting? And a lot of people are really offended by that. But people who take good feedback become more interesting. And if you can make your lesson exciting and interesting and full of things people want to hear about and you can modulate your voice, the kids will listen to you. But if you're just standing up there saying, Bueller, Bueller, no one cares what you're talking about. It's like watching
1: grass grow. Okay. I do agree. I would say I agree 80% with the statement. And I do know people who are, they're just not great teachers or they didn't really figure out how, what was the best way for them to get through to the students. But there's certain subject matters that's just hard to make interesting. And the more well studied, the more seasoned scholars the quote-unquote boring lecture would be, but that's up for the student themselves to kind of figure out what is the thing that I'm going to get out of this lecture. And usually these kind of professors would turn out to be very interesting people. Once you get into the subject matter, you have more topics to actually communicate to him about, and they become very lively, you know, in a way that you least expect, you know. And then about class usage of computer. Even though when I said, I think college is okay for college students, I still really, really appreciated all of my college professors, especially when I was studying in the US. All of the professors who said, no computers. If you need to take notes, you take notes with your pen and paper. And in some way, really just forces you to focus. But I had this very weird Mm. obsession for a very short period of time because some people in my class were using their computer and I got obsessed with making really, really loud keyboard noises when I'm taking notes. You would hear my keyboard for the entire class. I would try to literally, I would love to do that because I'm like, I want everybody to know that I'm documenting every word. And I literally, I was transcribing the professor's lecture. Basically, I would take so much notes. But then when I I realized what I was doing was that I was focusing on trying to get the words, all of the words, without really hearing what he was trying to say. So instead of just like jotting down you know, gist of the lecture or my own thoughts, even I was so busy trying to feel the victory of transcribing everything. I basically don't remember <laughs> taking notes on my computer. So I
0: stopped. I was a pen and paper person, even though there were computers when I was in college that could, you know, like laptops. And I had one. But I felt like I understood what they were saying better by through writing it down. But I don't know, maybe different generations and different people, different circumstances. But, you know, I guess the big question is that, yes, schools can play a part in helping students Develop longer attention spans. We have a friend who is a teacher. I think you talked to him. His name is Rick Fakra. And uh, he was in our Chinese New Year show. Were you in that show? I'm sorry. Anyways, he was an English teacher in America for about 10 years. And he said that when he started, they were teaching short novels because that's what kids could handle and, you know, sophomore year, freshman year, uh, junior year of high school. But by the time he left 10 years later, even though he was becoming a better teacher, the students were becoming less able to read longer texts. And they were starting to read magazine articles and newspaper articles as their assignment because they could no longer read short novels.
1: I really admire my younger self. Like, I didn't know how I was able to do all of those things. I can't even read those articles anymore. I have to think, I have to look it up, I have to look at a dictionary, and I try to find the translated text and I still I was like, okay, five characters that I can remember when I close my
0: eyes. Yeah, Chinese kids can like recite a poem t- written 2,000 years ago perfectly and it's like, wow. You know, I mean, in America is the same thing. We used to have to memorize pieces and bits of shakespeare when i was in high school yeah but that time has passed like it doesn't seem like maybe there are some schools some elite schools where a really high performing schools where that's still happening but the average nationally in the united states is clearly not going in that direction okay i want to change the topic and ask you a a little bit of a bizarre question alex do you meditate
1: i will ask you a question so that i could better answer your question didn't expect that, did you? I'm ready. Okay. So when we say meditate, are we talking about specifically meditating or a more general idea of meditation?
0: When I think of the word meditate, I remember it in a lot of contexts. And so meditating could be like you're a general and you're planning the battle. That could be meditating. Mm. Or you're picturing a triangle. I don't know. That's Descartes. Or you're doing the OM thing. Or you're praying. Or you're, you know, I don't know. I think there's a lot of different
1: varieties of meditation. Mm. Meditation could just mean you're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. Good explanation and examples of meditating is because a lot of people are opposed to the idea of meditating. Because when they think of meditating, they think of doing the
2: mm. what we
1: call the easy sit in yoga. And put, your, put both of your mm. hands on your knees with that lotus gesture. Oh. Close your eyes and think you're a mountain. You're in front of river and stuff. But I love that because it just brings me joy when I hear that from any yoga instructor. But I now will confidently say yes, that I do meditate because I think, in our modern world with so much distractions around us. Whenever you have a consistent amount of time where you're not looking at your phone, where you're not thinking about anything digital related, I call that meditation. We had this conversation yesterday because my friend Christine just became a licensed yoga instructor. So we went to her class to try and also show support. And what we did was like a 30 minute breathing exercise. And it wasn't all serious and sacred, you know, like where you have to be because it was some moves are funny when you first do it. Like there's a breathing exercise where you have to rapidly breathe out through your nostrils and make sure that it's strong and consistent. And it's very funny when you first do it. And then we did a whole, you know, the basic yoga thing. And then we did like 20 minutes of trying a handstand, which was absolutely horrifying idea to me before the class. Before I knew it, it was an hour and a half that was just gone. And Christine, my friend said, this is a form of meditation, same as when you were doing dance, classes or even when you are maybe performing on stage when you're doing comedy, it's also a kind of meditation because it's taking you out of your daily distractions and daily work that you're so used to that you don't even think about why I'm doing this. And it forces you to focus on this one thing that you are going to achieve. So I guess the answer is a big yes, Jason. I do meditate. I think personally, a lot of more people should meditate. Oh, yeah.
2: listening to The Bridge.
0: I want to get back a little focused. I think this is actually from the article by Sandy Lamotte. Your attention span is shrinking, studies say. Mm. Here's how to stay focused. And this is CNN, May 30th. And it talks about, apparently, and I've looked up so many related articles, this doctor, Dr. Gloria Mark, University of California, Irvine, who says, quote, unfortunately, all too many of us are having squirrel days, according to Dr. Gloria Mark. She's oh obviously God. a funny lady, <laughs> but also really smart as she. She mentions that in 2004, this is a quote, in 2004, we measured the average attention on a screen to be two and a half minutes, Mark said. That's already long. Yeah. Some (laughs) years later, we found attention spans to be about 75 seconds. Now we find people can only pay attention to one screen for an average of 47 seconds. What's more, Mark says, is that they take about 25 minutes to refocus on that task.
1: Yeah, I've fall wow. victims to that a little bit as well i think <laughs> hey
0: you know i can focus and i'll focus for two hours mm. but then i'll break my focus or i'll finish the project and i need to start something else And sometimes i'll take like a 15 minute 20 minute break but to work for 47 seconds and take 25 minutes off that's kind of crazy if that's the future <laughs> <laughs> we're, as a species we're never going to be able to maintain civilization
1: exactly but let me ask you one question, though. When you work, for example, if you're writing, you know, mm-hmm. you, all you need to do is to type down stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have, do you listen to music? Do you put like a TV show that's kind of just, you know, mindless on the background that helps you focus? What do you do? I do. I do that a lot.
0: <laughs> See, this is a big deal for me. Uh, what
1: kind of content do you listen to in the
0: background to stay focused on your project?
1: Um. Usually this is going to be funny when I'm at work because I get annoyed a lot from all of the negative energies that around me at work. So when I need to work on my document, when I need to type, I put on rock music. I know you were going to say that because sometimes sometimes very rarely, I get very annoyed, but usually I would realize soon enough that it wasn't just the words that were annoying me. It's I need to just focus. Like I shouldn't look for anything, background or whatever, like just do this itself, probably because it wasn't something that I fell for 100% to do to begin with. And that's why music becomes annoying and becomes distracting. Here's the thing. I can
0: listen to music with words, and this is going to frighten a lot of people out there, but it has to be the same song on loop. What? That's insane. It's the the only way I will not be distracted by the words is to mm. hear the same. So I'll take a four minute pumpy song that's like really got a lot of 80s energy kind of, you know, like, yeah, I'm old. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll put that song on and it's just got to be looping for two hours.
1: Mm. That will probably drive me insane. A lot of the lines, we Yeah. We went to this uh, restaurant where we're in Gulangyu, that island uh, in Simon, beautiful place. And this restaurant kept playing the one song over and over again. And I was physically getting just super irritated. And I, I talked to my boyfriend and I was like, let's finish our meal like now, like just finish it all. Just eat, eat, eat. Put it all in your mouth. Let's go. Cause I'm about to lose my temper. It's so annoying, Jason. How can you do it?
0: I don't know how I do it. You know, I actually, most of the, I just want to add because I didn't get to finish. I usually listen to words, music with no words, like symphonic music, somewhere like a techno house, trance, mm. or just like some kind of like a, maybe meditation music. I'll look up like meditation, the like keyboards and frequency stuff that keeps me focused, but I do like some sound. Otherwise I also hear my coworkers chatting away, which... Uh, So, okay, this is another article. Teachers are on the front lines of a battle to change how teens use social media by Samantha Murphy Kelly, CNN, June 3rd. And they talk about it's important that we give kids opportunities to think about, write about social media. So have them reflect on their social media. Quote, they just happen to be born in a really complicated, overstimulating and demanding time. And we mm. handed them these devices without knowing what effect they would have.
1: It is true. But I do wonder how you could change how they want to use social media.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, I, it's good. Oh, yeah.
2: You're listening to The Bridge.
0: I've talked about previously Detoxification camps This is a better word For detox Detox camps Where people send their Over computer attached kids To like go camping For a month um, And they come back And they slowly Reintegrate them With technology yeah. And so that this Can help them Wean them off Of addictive platforms Like Instagram
1: Yeah I mean you know I was thinking Because I think you Asked this question At the beginning of the episode yeah. I do I was If I was a teacher say a high school teacher Mm-hmm. How would I be able to help mm-hmm. how the kids look at social media, how to use it? And I was thinking it's really kind of impossible because they all have siblings. They have friends. They have family who all use social media on a daily basis and probably on an hourly basis nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for us to just be like, don't use it because it's bad. I feel like no matter what you say to the teenager, they're not going to agree with you. So instead, what you do is you tackle the problem from the other side. You join Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and, you
0: <laughs> and You become one of their instant <laughs> friends. <laughs> talk about great good long joke. books are
1: <laughs> good, good good, joke, Jason. Oh, but now that you're speaking... Now, hey, I'm hip. I'm cool. Yeah, but now you did <laughs> speak of that. I do want to say there are products by these big social media companies. For example, TikTok has this program that has been super popular called Book Talk, where you recommend uh, good books and then they have all kinds of collaborations with authors and publishing houses to bring more content to people, which is great. You know, it's a good use. But if you're a teacher, say, I think I will teach the kids or or tell the kids what is more beautiful without putting social media as the object that's being compared with or contrasted with, you know? We all had phones when we were in high school. Even without social media, just to be able to text people and look at messages, look at photos your friends send you or listen to music, like I said, was tempting enough, right? But I never did that in my Chinese class, in my literature class, because my Chinese teacher, he's the most unseemingly romantic person. You look at him, you're like, oh, he's a very like macho kind of guy, but he's so romantic when Whenever it rains or when it snows, if it's his class, we don't even have the class. He says, it's raining or it's snowing. Let's go outside. And we all go outside. We play with the snow. We walk around. It really was like that. And 20 minutes later, he calls us back in and he says, okay. Like Dead Poets Society. Write a poem that the snow makes you think of or compose a poem if you want and we all go on the giant platform but this is also my love wow. for like blackboard and chalk versus the, the modern uh, screen we all go up there and we pick up a chalk and we start writing our own poems or poems from like you know mm. the greatest poets in history about uh, the snow scenery or how you feel in the snow or you feel in the rain so he effectively made literature class so interesting, so captivating. Even though we're going through exam papers and stuff, it just became something that I really, really enjoy. Something that kind of without me realizing it, it becomes something that I'm fascinated with. So I feel like Nowadays, if you want to teach kids to, you know, grow their attention span or try to not be so addicted to social media and stuff, give them something else that they can enjoy. Show them the beauty. Use the time that you can force in class to show them, for example, what you can get out of reading, say, let's say 20 pages in a book. okay, and then get them to discuss. And there are some like innate tendencies of kids that will not be taken away by social media. For example, If you put two six-year-olds together, they could have never met each other prior to the second. As soon as they see each other, if one kid says, Mm -hmm. follow me, I have something to show you, the other kid is going to just run right behind her without even questioning what you're going to show me. So there's some human nature that you could use. Um, Same thing with high school students. They're always going to try to do things that are different, things that look cool. You know, if you show them, like, okay, it's cool to read a book, and then not everybody else is reading a book, use a little bit of psychology, I guess, and that'll help with the matter. Oh, yeah.
2: You're listening to The Bridge.
0: I have a friend. I'm not going to say his name. We'll call him N. He has a daughter. They live in Beijing. And he is one of these huge anti-screen advocates. He's very keenly aware of Her growing up went and like how she's going to perceive the world and he's, you know, thinks about what our today's topic all the time. Wow. And he did not let her know that screens existed until she was six years old.
1: Uh.
0: (laughs) They got rid of their TV. They hid their computers and iPads. She didn't know that these technologies existed until she was six. When she was six, they introduced her to what an iPad was, and that mommy and daddy had phones. Mm. And they let her use it for 30 minutes a day, five days a week. Okay. When she's nine now, I think she's up to an hour a day. So basically, that's how they integrated technology into her life. They basically raised her as though she was born in like 1985 or something. And then technology began to come on more and become a larger part of her life because they wanted her. He's keenly aware that she needs to know how these technologies work to interact with that aspect of our world, which is becoming larger all the time. But he also wanted her to be aware that running in her you know, princess uniform or costume and into the mud and then gaily smiling up at the sun was also So something fun to do. So he gave her a mix of both. And I think if I were to have a kid, I would follow his example.
1: Okay, I was going to overreact a little bit in the beginning when you said he took away all the strings. But I think after finishing listening to the whole method, I think it's actually really, really healthy. And I think more people should adopt this method to train their kids on how to properly use social media. Although, we do want to say, Jason and I, neither Jason nor Alex has a kid. And sometimes when it comes to parenting, it's hard because I talked to my friend and she told me she's said before we had our kids we look at these other parents who just give their kids their iPad in restaurants to just calm them down we despise them we're like oh my god that's such a weak move you just succumb to the kids manipulation and she said afterwards after we had our kid <laughs> we realized how fast iPad could quiet her down in public when she's screaming we're like here's your iPad
2: <laughs> you know listening to the bridge
0: This is insiderintelligence.com. The name of the article is Gen Z has a one second attention span that can work to marketers advantage. This is December 15th, 2022 by Sarah Lebeau, right? And also mentions Gen Z loses active attention for ads after 1.3 seconds, same data as before. And so basically what this article goes on to discuss, and I don't want to quote it too much, is the idea that the vast majority of marketers, Mm. even though they're are aware of it, even though they have meetings about this information, don't take advantage of this information. So when you're on YouTube and suddenly a commercial breaks through your content, most of it's really boring and you click away. Are you waiting for that five seconds to pass before you can click out? Mm. Because most marketers aren't understanding that they need to make that first second count in a big way. They need to put the brand name in the first second, and it needs to be so exciting that you may elicit additional uh, watch Imagine the pitch meeting for this (gasps) advertisement.
1: Well, this first second, the first half of the first second is not strong, it's not impactful. Well, you know,
0: this is reality now. But also the reality is most people aren't doing this well. Mm. So if you're trying to sell Coca-Cola, for example, Mm. there's a very high probability, like 90% chance that no one's going to watch for more than a second. Even me, I just click mute and look away. I, I despise this commercial. You've interrupted my content. How dare you? So you better just at least show them the brand and have something that might elicit some small amount of people to continue to listen so these are mm. social plot this is from the article social platforms shape gen z ad expectations and the dominant ad format for the actual length of time i think this is snapchat three to 15 seconds tiktok nine to 15 seconds yep instagram 15 seconds, YouTube, six to 15 seconds, etc. This is what they expect, but that's not true. It's 1.3 seconds. Mm. So these people who are paying for 15 second ads. Yeah. 90% of those people who are there targeting are not watching that ad. So all these people are wasting their money. So this is gives the opportunity to move away. It says do. This is what works. Do move away from 15 to 30 second ads. Do be prepared to react quickly to pop culture. Mm. Don't use inflexible processes. And this is a big problem with all kinds of companies. They take, you know, a generation, a decades sometimes to change the way that they format. So if you're marketing where you're a company and you know that
2: mm. people
0: are only going to watch your ad for 1.3 seconds, you need to make your ad 1.3 seconds. Mm. That You need to have a mini ad. If you're going to make an ad 10 seconds long, you need to have a mini ad that's 1.3 seconds and the rest of that 10 seconds. But you can't make these 30-second ads where you finally learn what the product is in the fifth second. It, no one will know what it is.
1: I have very mixed feelings when I read these do's and don'ts to, as an old school person, and as we're having this conversation, I want people to have longer attention spans. I don't want kids to just be looking at... Squirrel! I'm yeah. oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't want kids to just have like short and short attention so and I can't we can't hold a conversation I already despised myself when I went to watch the Transformers the (laughs) other day and I had to look on my phone for nothing like it was just like oh
0: I think that's just that movie
1: (laughs) wait no I loved it I really enjoyed it I think it was a great movie Elemental was horrible but um you know um I was like really I think Flash was great Transformer was great and but in every single movie Of course, I looked at my phone a lot more watching Elemental because it was just unbearable. But the other two movies, I was thoroughly enjoying it. But as soon as I felt that little buzz, it could be just a notification for an app that I don't really look at. But because the notification got to me, I had to look at it. And as soon as I turned it on... I don't go straight to the notification. I go to the other apps and stuff. And it takes me out of the the viewing experience. And I'm pretty sure this is bothering a lot of other people. Even you're non-Gen Z or you're not like the youngest generation. You'll still have that kind of bother. We just, as human beings, as a group, we kind of, we have been morphed into who we are today by our surroundings. So... media did play a huge part into making who we are today. For example, I I forgot if we had this conversation or I had this conversation with uh, other people off air. We're talking about how the tobacco companies made smoking such a popular thing among people through all of their media tactics.
0: Cary Grant is cool. He smokes. I want to be like Cary Grant.
1: Yeah, or like housewives should smoke because that's cool. You know, all of that idea of what is cool, what is not, what is good or not. Till today, it's so hard to take away smoking from people and of course it's something that has existed for as long as human history but it can be looked as something that you shouldn't you know actively pursue or it can be looked as something that is cool and everybody should be doing so when media companies look at the trend of how people distribute their attention spans I'm just like should there be a little bit of social responsibility on these companies to say maybe we shouldn't try to encourage short attention spans as much and find another way to make money. I know it's still easier said than done, but well, I mean, that sounds all well and good, but if I,
0: let's say I own, I don't know, a donut factory and I sell millions of donuts, Ugh. I 100% am going to take advantage of this information and going to try to make that 1.3 seconds count. And I'm just, it's time for donuts. <laughs> hey, that, there you go. How long was that? It's time for donuts. And you have a donut and then you move on with it. You see, I got 1.3 seconds. Done.
1: That's true. That's true. Imagine it's like 10 ads like that all together. <laughs> it's going to drive you insane. I'm for donuts. You want a Pepsi? Well, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, donuts and coffee. <laughs>
0: wow. Okay, yeah. Do you, do you need to smoke with that coffee and donuts? <laughs> okay.
1: We're sponsored well, by none of those brands.
0: <laughs> don't sell any products here. Uh, Forbes.com. Feel like your attention span is Spanish. shot? Here's why and what to do about it by Jess Cording. April 12th, 2023. So it has some suggestions mm. about how to sort of take back our lives. Mm. It's not all in your head. Devices and notifications. Are a big piece of that picture, but it's not the whole picture. Oh wow, you know what? It says Dr. Mark explains. Look, she's everywhere. <laughs> Mark Gloria Mark. Gloria Marcus is the attention span expert. People are just as likely to interrupt themselves as to be interrupted by something external. So about 49% of the time, we interrupt ourselves. That sounds like you, Alex. Guilty
1: as charged. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged.
0: Yeah, goodness me. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: listening to The Bridge.
0: Okay, so one of the ideas, Dr. Mark says, is the idea we should be focused as long as possible when we use our devices, that this kind of unending focus is what we should be striving for oh. and that we can't. So she actually recommends not necessarily giving up your technology, but if you're going to say use, I don't know, no. dōing, then you're on dōing. This is my 15-minute Part of the day where I use Doyen, although I imagine it's a longer for some of you out there. <laughs> not me. Uh-uh. Okay. The future of work, personalization, accessibility, and inclusion as catalysts for success. Yeah. Forbes. Can't pay attention. You're not alone. And this is actually by UC Irvine, but it's not Dr. Gloria Mark. It's Kara Capuano, butchered your name. Kara, May eleventh, twenty twenty three, and this other UC Irvine expert is trying. Oh, is noting a book by Dr. Gloria Mark. She's the queen of attention spans.
1: It's her everything about attention span. It's just as we thought. This is not. This is not by uh, Dr.
0: Mark. Hey, here she is again. My goodness. Okay, so uh, this is from her. And she says, I'm a trained psychologist, and typically psychologists bring people into a laboratory, and laboratory studies are great because you can control things. So I set up what I call a living laboratory. And I use a variety of different methods, sensors, etc. So she does a lot of uh, work. And they have determined, again, that there are 27 second attention spans and 25 minutes between focus. I don't understand how this is true. This can't be true, Dr. Gloria Mark. How is anything happening in the entire world? Who is in these experiments, Dr. Mark? Because I... You you focus more than this, right, Alex? I think so. <laughs> I,
1: think I think so. so. No, it's. I think <laughs> it's. It's not like you're getting completely taken away from your thoughts or your task you need to focus on. It's probably the the amount of attention you're giving to your task. Like I would if I look at a a phone message and then I would be distracted for you know I have a short WeChat conversation with my friends and then I'm going back to my original task trying to finish it. Right, but the thoughts about the conversation that just happened will probably still be in my head. And then when I, like, that would inevitably cause other kind of thoughts or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times I have to be honest. So she's talking about pure focus. Yeah, I think when you're only just thinking. um, About
0: that one thing. Yeah. So while you're writing your dissertation, you're also thinking about what you're going to have for dinner. So that counts as thinking about something else?
1: I think this is why people, a lot of people like to, stay up late especially for you know artists or writers or whatever or when we're doing our graduation thesis because this let's be honest graduation thesis are, are just a massively annoying task that you have to go through and it's hard to focus on it during the day because you're just everybody's moving around you your roommates going to have lunch they're going to do whatever yeah right yeah you're right but at night you're so tired and you're so sleepy but you told yourself that like you had to finish this task and the only thing you had to fight is your sleep and that forces you to focus. I think you're right. This the focus, the force
0: Focus. That's a really good term because most people, are, there's a TED talk on this and that ages me. Mm. 95% of people are procrastinators. I'm not one of them. I got really fortunate.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: But I, I'm, I'm the person who does it the same day they assign it. And it's finished like by day three or whatever. I need to be more like you. No, no, no. I, I'm a very nervous person. But what I learned about these other people, which are you guys who are listening to me, 95%. So you guys wait until like two days before like your 20 page paper is due and you start slamming every bit of research everyone's checking out the same book If they're fighting for the same book and then like everyone's writing until their eyes are bleeding at 3 a.m. the night before it's due at 7 and you guys all show up and you look (laughs) up beaten down and walking <laughs> and turning your paper. Bad habit. But you know, it's that forced focus. So maybe we need to find ways to stimulate ourselves yeah. in a way that like uh, encourage us that kind of focus. Because I'm sure when your paper, you've only written 10 pages and you got two hours before like 3 a.m. and you know you need to sleep at all. You're like those next 10 pages are all you're doing for the next two hours. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. I've got th- I've got a lot of things <laughs> done when I try to at the last minute, but also speaking from experience, it is hard. There's no guarantee that you will finish it or make sure that your work is off quality and that could bring you trouble. So don't try to be
0: like Alex too much. You get the other part. Well, I finish it really early and there's a problem with that. So if you're a university student, you're listening to Jason, it's not always a good idea. I'll write my paper and then I learn for the next month what should be in that paper. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, crap. Well, uh, it's not it's not about that. (laughs) So now I have to to rewrite the hell out of it because I didn't know all this stuff that I just learned.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're like the people at Trivia who try to give the answer right Uh, After the host reads the the question and then he gives a clue and you're like, oh, that was the wrong answer.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think there's a balance. Maybe start like the framework or whatever. Mm. Early. I mean, the really healthy way to do it is probably somewhere in the 0.1% of people who are actually really good at it, where they just like start writing parts of the paper and incrementally and it builds up with their knowledge and stuff. But that's hard. Mm. Man, spreading it out over a month. Oh, my gosh, that's the worst. But I always try to do things right when they they come assigned. And then I learn wh- how to do them later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After it's too late
1: good for you. I I tried that for my entire how many years? I don't know, 16 years in school and never, never accomplished. Well, you know, our goal here is to build bridges. So I wanted to ask like, how do we see attention
0: span differences, Uh similarities, issues globally between the West and the East, between China and the United States, between, Mm. uh, is there a difference are kids the same here in China? Would you, you, having lived in the United States and understanding our culture, yeah, when
1: you're looking around at younger people here in China, do they suffer for the, from the same problem? I think this is such a universal problem. All of the young kids nowadays in the world are all kind of um, trying to search for a good word instead of saying contaminated, but they are all heavily influenced <laughs> by modern technology, especially if they grow up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed how these kids that are just like, they're like one and a half years old, they can't even speak yet. They can't really speak complete sentences, but they can take a picture of you with their parents' phone. Yeah. And if you ask them how, would like say, how do you take a picture? You know how we put the frames together with our thumbs and our, our forefingers wow. uh, to form a square. They hold their hands together as if they were holding a phone with both hands. Is how they take a photo. They're so much smarter when it comes to devices, any sort of modern technology, and they understand how it works almost kind of without you having to tell them because they see it all the time. Wow, you're blowing my mind. Really? No, like because I.
0: I don't spend a lot of time with infants. Well, because a, <laughs> a lot
1: of my friends have kids at this age, right? And we spend time with them a lot. And you're like, these kids, and my, they would post photos. So we're like, look at my two-year-olds. Are still My two-year-old is taking really good pictures of me. I was like, I don't want my two-year-old to take pictures of me. I want my two-year-old <laughs> to play with with blocks or whatever. Isn't this the new blocks? Is this the new it, blocks? It, it kind of is. It kind of is.
0: Wow. This is mind-blowing. So they can't mm. formulate m- whole meaningful sentences, but well. they can do things that we can do. That's, that's wow.
1: Yeah, and Chinese parents actually do worry a lot about their kids not being able to focus in class. And I feel like
0: yeah, I know, I know. A lot of parents, that's the number one concern. Yeah,
1: and a lot of teachers will tell the parents, and they will say, your kids look actually, your kid actually seems very smart and they're very active, whatnot. But then they will say, it just seems like your kid has a little bit of problem focusing in class or just trying to keep their attention on one thing for a long time. And that usually gets the parents really, really worried.
0: You know, I've had that so many times because I used to have parent-teacher conferences all the time. And they would say, well, what should I do about it? And, and you know what I would tell them? And Let them get bored more.
1: Mm, Interesting.
0: Don't give them... I understand we need to teach our kids, but teaching them to reflect... To be a bit introverted, to use their own mind's imagination, because, you know, you have another eye inside of your brain. This is not a conspiracy. You biologically have this part of your brain near the brainstem that has parts of the eye in it. And that's how you visualize things in your mind's eye. You literally have. Hello,
1: that's uh, uh, (laughs) a sorry. That's very interesting because in the yoga class yesterday, we were told to put two fingers on our third eye. (laughs) We're doing the breathing exercise. It's not in your
0: forehead, by the way just so people you know I there's a misconception <laughs> that there's an eye there maybe there is I don't know spiritual eye it's a totally different thing from what I'm talking about I'm talking about the biological material that is in the center of your brain close to the brain stem there's a bio what I mean is if your kid is bored they will make up stuff right you mm. when I was a kid for example I they would my parents would give me nothing like here's a toy, you know, one doll, one teddy bear or something, right? Yeah. You make up a whole universe and what they're doing and like how how they're talking to you and their personality and their adventure that they're going through. Mm. Kids need to sometimes be a little bored, not to be bored, but to find that in themselves, to find their own like self as opposed to some external thing that's constantly feeding them information. Learning is not just... External objects. It's about learning about one's own self, and so these kids, these kids that are bored or that have simple toys for some periods of the day, they do seem to have better focus than kids who are constantly stimulated by mom's schedule that is full. Where sh- okay, <laughs> now it, we're going to tennis class. Now we're going to piano class. Now we're going to swimming class. Mm. Now we're going. I mean, all mm. of these things are great. I don't want to say anything about bad about tennis or, or or whatever volleyball that they're doing. But sometimes they just need to sit in the mud or in the dirt or with their Legos and have no other stimulation except what's going on in their head.
1: And you know what? I think that could be applied to adults as well. And if you're a parent, maybe hey, there you, go. you want to get bored together with your kids and that'll bring benefits to both of you. That's a brilliant
0: insight, Alex. OK, well, I think that is all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for your time. If you disagree with us or agree or you just want us to read your comments on the air, please email us at we love bridge at gmail email.com and we'll talk to you next time thank you jason we'll
1: see you all soon